Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 290. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Well, I'm so excited to finally have Lolly Daskal on Dose of Leadership. She is one of the most sought-after executive leadership coaches in the world, and her extensive cross-cultural expertise spans 14 countries, six languages, and hundreds of companies. She's the founder and CEO of Lead From Within, and her proprietary leadership program is engineered to be a catalyst for leaders who want to enhance performance and make a meaningful difference in their companies, their lives, and even the world. It's based on a mix of modern philosophy, science, and nearly 30 years of coaching top executives. She's got a lot to bring to the table. Her perspective on leadership continues to break new ground, and it produces exceptional results. Over many awards and accolades, she was designated a top 50 leadership and management expert by Inc. Magazine. Her writings appeared in Harvard Business Review, Inc.com, Fast Company, Huffington Post, and Psychology Today. Her proprietary insights are the subject of a brand new book, which we talk about exclusively here on Dose of Leadership, called The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness. And it's a fantastic book. It's available for pre-order now, and we talk about it exclusively here, and it's a great conversation. So sit back, relax, enjoy this wonderful conversation with the one and only Lolly Daskal on Dose of Leadership. Well, Lolly, it's a thrill to have you on the show. It's been a long time for me to have you on the show, and I'm so excited. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you so much. I don't know if you knew this or not, but when I started this show four years ago, I came up with a bucket list of people I wanted to talk to, and you were on that list on the, on day one four years ago. So this is a long time coming for me, and I'm excited to finally talk to you. I've been a big fan of you for a long time. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, I'm a big fan of yours, so it's mutual admiration. Oh, that means a lot. You know, leadership, you know, we're both leadership junkies, and I, I got to tell you, one of the things that you don't see a lot of people talking about in leadership books. And, and I know when I'm working with clients, and I'm sure it's the same with you, is this concept of self-awareness. I mean, it's it's often um, misunderstood or we don't, it's not really addressed when we're coaching or talking about leadership, right? And uh, you are all about self-awareness. I'm all about, absolutely about self-awareness and self-reflection, because the truth is, is that who you are is the most important element of all of living and all of leading. Because, you know, Richard, people can teach people the how, the what, and the when, and even the why, but who you are has to come from within. You know, my company's called Lead From Within for a reason, because it has to start with self before you can actually project or lead or make a difference on the outside. I always say what's going on on the inside is just as important as what you're doing on the outside. Oh, so yeah. absolutely, the self-reflection is really important. Self-examination is really important. Yeah, we want to jump in. You know, as, as leaders, we want to make a difference and we think it's all about changing other people's lives, which 
eventually it is. It's about transforming lives. But man, if we don't have ourselves right, if we don't value ourselves, if we don't have something to give of value, then we're going to fall flat. And it's so true. It's almost like when you focus on yourself, just by focusing on yourself and improving yourself, you give the people around you the freedom to do the same. That leadership by example goes a long way. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. When you talk about that, I think that every single person has to take responsibility for themselves. It's in taking that first responsibility that allows us to stand in our greatness because it starts from within. Mm -hmm. And when you know yourself, the fact that you know yourself in a way that like on a deep level really gives you that that understanding of how you can help others. I think people that are floundering within themselves have a very hard time focusing on impacting others. Yeah. So it's that inner reflection. It's going within. It's leading from within that is a game changer. But it almost happen, It has to happen simultaneously, right? I mean, a lot of times I used to think it was like linear, right? Like, okay, I got to work on myself. And then when I arrive, then I can start leading others. It, you have to do the both simultaneously, right? I mean, and that's really the challenge I've found anyway. I, even for myself personally, I'm a work in progress. Right. I don't think I'm ever going to be done. So it's not that we're finished with one and we start on another. Yes. It's that we are, it's almost like a dance, right? We yeah. work together. I find out something about myself. So I understand someone else a different way. I learn more about myself and I can grow within others. So it's this, it's this really dance between our inner self with our outer self. Right. We, we never fully arrive. Like you said, I like, I like how you said you're a work in process. It never stops. I mean, right. it's almost like if you plant the flag and you say, I've arrived, ugh, you got to be wary of, of that happening because usually what happens next is a fall, right? I mean, if we plant our flag and say, I've arrived, the, the next I don't th thing. You know, it's interesting that you say that, you know, as a student of psychology, I believe and I've seen that as human beings, we have levels that we go through, stages that we go through. So even when you think that you've arrived, there's something around the corner to yeah, challenge you to take yeah. you to the next level. There's, I mean, I think when you've arrived is the day that you say goodbye to this universe. You know? <laughs> right, so, exactly. So I don't, right? Yeah. I think you're yeah. absolutely right. I mean, it's like if, I don't know, things certainly changed for me when I started saying, okay, you know what, this ne it's a day by day by day by day process. It never, it never stops. And I think, you know, 25 years ago, I was thinking, God, if I could just get to this income level, if I could just get to this position or title, then things would be good. And it's, it's, it's not that way. It's like, you're just constantly, um, willing and accepting this, this journey and this willing to always be slaying dragons every day. And it's not about things necessarily getting smooth. It's about, to me, what I call being the best dragon slayer, right? And, 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 and appreciating and loving that. You know, I, I like what you're saying, but I have a different view on that. Some, one of the things that I believe in is that our journey in life is to find wholeness. Mm. Now, what I mean by wholeness is to find the imperfect parts of ourselves and the perfect parts of ourselves, the strengths of what we have and the weaknesses of what we have. And it's in this coming together and claiming all parts of ourselves that's when we create success. Yeah. That's when we've hit the home run. That's when we've put the stake in the ground because that wholeness, you know, between um, good and bad, um, what I call greatness and gaps, those are the things that make us successful. And what I mean by successful is meaning, purpose. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. It's, it's, it's getting... Well, what, what do you say about this, about when you when you are aware of your strengths and your weaknesses? I'm a 
person that says we should bet on our strengths. Not that we ignore our weaknesses, we should be aware of them, but right. most of our energy and efforts should probably be in the strengths. And it seems like, I know it was for me, that I had it flipped on its head. I would always try to spend my time, energy, re- resources, and energy on my weaknesses, and that never really got me anywhere. You know, it's a great question. I believe that, you know, we should definitely master our skills and our strengths, but we have to walk through and leverage our weaknesses. So what does this mean? I want to give you an example. In my book, in my upcoming book, The Leadership Gap, I have seven archetypes, seven leadership styles. So if, if it's true that we only work on our strengths, so one of the leadership styles would be to be a rebel. A rebel is someone who wants to make an impact on the world. And in order to make that happen, they have to work on their confidence, right? They have to have confidence to, to make an impact in the world, to make a difference. And under your scenario, it would be great because a person would only work on their strengths of confidence, which in essence is their capabilities and their competence, right? Right. But for every single person that feels like a rebel who is confident, there is a gap, there is a weakness, there is a void. And if we're not aware of it and we can't leverage it, it will cost us. And so what is the gap? The gap is an imposter who has self-doubt. 99.9% of human beings who are high-achieving human beings feel like an imposter. And that's a weakness. Self-doubt is a weakness. But if we don't leverage that self-doubt, we don't talk about that weakness, then, and we only concentrate on being confident, it can cost us. There is a rift. What, what I mean by wholeness, what I mentioned before, is we have to take the confidence and the self-doubt, and we have to learn how to bring them together to a wholeness, to leverage mm-hmm. it. That's the way we will come to the purpose of why we are here. That is the way we create meaningful success. I love that. That is That resonates with me very deeply, and I and I can't agree with you more. You're so right. You, you see these people in, in, who are so confident and you you really get to the core of them and you find out they really are struggling with that imposter syndrome, right? It's it's so yes. true. And if you know, that's the power of self-awareness. If you understand that, yes, I can be this positive force, but that same thing that your strength can also be one of your greatest, or it can drag you down, right? It can be, if you don't harness it right, or if you're not aware, aware of it, or you don't, how, how do you say it? How do you walk through it or work through it and get to that wholeness? You'll never, you'll never be successful. And so that awareness is is what what can, yeah, that's so critical. You can see what can stop you. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Actually, I look at it in a different way besides only awareness, because I believe when we liberate ourselves, we liberate ourselves from feeling we only could be one, but we can't acknowledge and honor our weaknesses. We liberate not only ourselves, but we liberate others. Like a client of mine who's a CEO of a large corporation says to me, Lala, you never judge me. I can tell you the worst things that are happening, you know, because it's crisis after crisis. You just listen to me. It's like what I consider the worst news and the biggest weakness. You just teach me how to, you know, leverage it and it liberates me. And I'm able to be forgiving to the, to my team, to my leadership team when my board is giving me a hard time. So when we talk, it's bigger than self-reflection. It's Mm -hmm. bigger than self-awareness. The idea of bringing wholeness to ourselves is liberating us. And that's so important. It's almost forgiving ourselves yeah. for not being perfect. It's a, it's except, yeah, it's forgiving yourselves. I like that because we spend yeah. so much time, we, we, we beat ourselves up. And I think that's where the, the limiting beliefs or those voices come in is because 
you know, I am a confidant. I'm a rebel. I, and why is this nagging self-doubt plaguing me? Why does this happen? And then when you can just embrace it all and say, hey, this is just part of the this is kind of the price of admission to the game. And, and it's just part of who I am. You can embrace it. Yeah, you can deal with yeah. it effectively. Well, this yeah. is this is go, go ahead. I just want to say one more thing. When we embrace our gaps, what I call them in the book, as a Jungian, it's really our shadows. When we embrace our gaps, it's one of the greatest opportunities that a leader can have. Because if you understand your gaps, it gives you the power to reframe what you consider a weakness or a failure. And that is a game changer. Because if you know that you could take your weakness and make it work for you, and you could reframe it, how much more powerful will you be? How much more impactful will you be? Oh, that is so true. I mean, think about in I have a daughter who has a mild form of Tourette's, right? And growing up as a kid, she's great he's 18. She's yeah. been able to harness that and it's actually become one of her greatest strengths. That's what that's what just resonated with me when you said that. You yes, know? absolutely. It's like it's what makes her unique and she's turned that around and it's her, one of her greatest assets. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, exactly. You, you said there's seven archetypes and, and you said that the, I like what you said about the rebel because that resonates. You see that all the time. I know I've coached a lot of individuals who have been that way, who they're just super confident. But when you really strip it away, they they are always afraid they're going to be found out that they don't fit in this role. Right. What, right. Are, what are the others? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this list here. You got the explorer, the truth teller, the hero, the inventor, the navigator, and the knight. Let's go through yeah. some of those. I mean, this, I, I love this. Talk to me about some of these. So let's take the second archetype. First of all, this is a rethink model. It stands for, like you just talked about, the rebel, explorer, truth teller, hero, inventor, navigator, and knight. And the reason it's a rethink model is because most leaders do a lot of thinking. People come to them and they need to have answers right away. It's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And why this is a rethink is because most leaders concentrate on how and what, as we talked about earlier. I need leaders to understand is they need to rethink who they are going to be situational in order to be a game changer in their business. It's not so much always about the how. It is the who that will make the difference. Mm. And that's why this model is truly profound. I've seen it work over three decades, work with leaders around the world, that when they can concentrate and rethink who they're being, the meeting is different, the targets are different, the results are different, their team is different, and their employees react differently. So that's why this is so important, this model. Well, what is your favorite? I mean, where do you find yourself? I mean, I'm looking at this list and and I see myself in a couple of these. Is that normal to find, you know, where I'm kind of, I, I, I'm not necessarily one, but I kind of find myself drifting in a couple of these? What's so great also about this model, it's more situational than it is about you are only the rebel. The truth is, is that any given moment, we have to be one or another of these archetypes. And it's more about, as I said, situational than it is about, oh, I only lean into this. Right. The truth is, is that, Richard, we are the sum of all these parts. When ah. we talked about wholeness, we are the knight, we are the navigator, we have the hero within us. We sometimes must be the truth teller if we know how to be the truth teller. And we have to be the explorer, especially if we want to make a difference in the world. And so we're the sum of all of these archetypes. I love that. That's a good way that you put it. Instead of it, it's less of like a leadership personality 
disk profile. It's more of, hey, these are the embodiment. Every now and then we're going to, depending on the situation, we're going to be in one of these roles. And so if we know the polarity of all of those roles, we're going to be better suited or more equipped because uh, we only only one of those types of that polarity leads to greatness, right? And so if we understand that, then um, we'll be better equipped to, to make sure we don't f- falter, I guess. You said it brilliantly. I couldn't have said it better. Exactly. That's what's so powerful about the system. One side will lead you to greatness, the other side to your gap, and you have with any given moment to decide rebel or imposter, imposter or rebel. And if you know that difference, and if you're cued into this system, then if you're in a meeting and you feel like an imposter and you have self-doubt, you have a choice. Can I show them what I'm really good at and competent at? Or am I going to um, reveal that I, ha- that I have self-doubt? And that's a game changer. Yeah. Go ahead. So I want to talk about the other ones because I feel that everyone listening today will say, wow, that's me. Yeah. That's me. People that have been through this system say, oh, wow, I, I can't. Un- you really see me. You understand mm-hmm. me. And... The truth is, this is universal. That's what I found. After 30 years of doing this work, there were patterns that were coming up within every single person I was coaching. And it's not like something I just created, but if I see it 100 times, 1,000 times, 2,000 times, and it's always the same thing, there's some truth there. There's right. some knowledge there. There's some wisdom there. Well, let's go through some of these because I'm I'm curious particularly about the truth teller where they embrace – you know, we embrace candor. But the polarity, the other side of that is the deceiver that creates suspicion. How can that, if I value integrity and truth, um, why is that, uh, why am I susceptible to being deceived? Absolutely. What, that's a great, great archetype. Let's talk about the truth teller. If you are a truth teller, or if you know anybody that's a truth teller, they stand out from the crowd. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they are the human beings. They are the individuals that must tell you the truth. They must speak with candor. They almost feel like it's their calling. It's their duty. Mm-hmm. They're in the meetings that say, no, that's not how it is. This is what it is. You know, They're always the ones to speak up. But for every truth teller that speaks and embraces candor, there is a gap that will end up costing you. And that is the deceiver who creates suspicion, like you just said. So how does it play out? It plays out like this. Let's say a leader has bad bad news, to, you know, and he doesn't want to share the information right. with his team. He doesn't want to share it with his organization. So what does he do? He shares, or what does she do, for ma- that matter of fact? They share half-truths. They just give parts of the information. When that happens, and I've seen this happen hundreds of times, People that are listening to this know that there's something off. They know that they're being deceived. They know that there's more to the information. And because that is true, they start to create stories in their own head Mm -hmm. and they start to get paranoid and it creates suspicion. And I've seen it rippling out into organizations when a leader doesn't say the whole truth and nothing but the truth. It creates It looks like he's a deceiver and it creates suspicion. And you can imagine the ripple effect of how that plays out in an organization. And I always say to every leader that I coach, tell them the truth. Tell them the bad news. Engage them to be the answer. Engage them to help you. Because even though you are their leader, this is a partnership between you and them. Help them help you. And that's why the truth teller is so important. Yeah, it's so true. I've seen this happen. I mean, we all have, right? We've seen this happen 
in real time. And it's, you know, we may not like the bad news. We may not like to give it, but man, we are obligated to give it to them. And, and actually giving it to them, like you said, they can become part of the solution. You know, you, as leaders, sometimes we like, oh, I don't want to get them stressed. I don't want to get them worried. And, and you're right. We find ourselves giving half truths because we think we're doing the right thing, protecting them or whatever from the bad news. But man, you're so right. If you give it, if you lay all the cards on the table, you, you bring them into the fold and they become part of the solution. Right. See, the thing is, every single one of these archetypes are very, very important for us. It's not only a leadership style, it's a leadership way of leading. Yeah. And I want to talk about one other archetype, which I think everybody listening to this podcast will really find themselves in and resonate. But after they hear the difference between the greatness and the gap, I think it could be a game changer for them today. They could have an aha moment right now. Is it okay if I go to the Absolutely. to Absolutely. Yeah. I'm anxious to see so, which one. Now, just know that I, for me, all of seven archetypes are very, very important. But when I bring up this one archetype with my leaders, they're always like, yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> and so the archetype I want to talk about is the navigator. The navigator is an individual who's really smart, who's really good at solving problems and really, really good at solving challenges, but in which way? In a very practical and pragmatic way. And because that is true, people trust them. It's leaders that are good under crisis. It's leaders that are good under challenges. And people really say, wow, I'm enamored with that leader. But guess what? For every, uh, for every um, navigator that is out there that is really good at being practical and pragmatic, there is a gap. Mm -hmm. And the gap is of the fixer who comes across as arrogant. Right. So how does this play out? This plays out as you are a smart person. You are a great leader. You do have solutions. But what do you do? Instead of navigating, you fix it. You try to fix it. You tell your team, do it this way. Do it my way or the highway. I told you to do it that way last week. I've done it a thousand times. Why aren't you doing it that way? Go from point A to B and then you'll get to C. Do it, do it, do it. When you tell people what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and you don't allow them to show up with their own competence, with their own capabilities, the only thing you're coming across is as arrogant. The only thing you're doing is disempowering them. If you want to empower people, navigate them through a problem instead of fixing the problem. And that in itself is a game changer. Man, that is so true. I, I would gather that's probably one of the, the most common challenges that I see leaders facing, particularly leaders that are relatively new to, you know, the new to the leadership business or new to leadership roles. You know, they've, they've been put into this role. They were successful because of some technical aspect of the role before them, you know, and the management or the leadership says, hey, I want you to replicate that. You be the leader of these people now. And yeah. you just see them being fixers because that's what they know. They said, do it my way. Do it this way. This is how I did it. And yeah, it's so true. If you could just bring them into the fold and say, hey, look, this is how I've done it. But <clears throat> focus on the intent, the what and the, you know, what the outcomes you want to be and then leave the how up to them is really what a navigator does. Yeah. And it's hard to let go, you know, and I think you're right. I can see how this resonates with so many people because it's so difficult to let go. I almost equate it to like teaching your kids how to drive, <laughs> you know, like you can't, you can't always, you know, be there. You, at some point you're going to have to let them go. You're going to have to let them drive on the highway at night when it's raining. And um, the fixer it, doesn't like that, you know. 
Right. It's also um, important for every leader listening is like, what got you here is not going to get you there. So if you came here with competence, right, on a skill, doesn't mean when you are a leader that that skill is what you have to teach the folks that you're leading. And you have to allow people to find their way Mm -hmm. on this archetype chart. The navigator will empower the fixer will disempower. So that's why it's either greatness or the gap. Learn to leverage that gap. So I would always say, find out why you're a fixer. Is it because you need to be appreciated? Because you think you need to be the smartest? Because you need to be loved and liked? You need to be validated? Find out your triggers and learn to fix it within yourself before you then become the fixer that comes across as arrogant. That is, oh, that's powerful stuff. I can imagine that, you know, once you're aware of, of the gaps and that you can easily fall into that. Yes. Why you do that is is important. What do you find that most people um, struggle getting, or, you know, can't become a navigator? What is it? Is it fear? I mean, usually it's fear of failure, I'm guessing. You know, what do you think? Or fear of, I don't know what it is. What do you think it is? So, There are many reasons, but there's a big pattern between wanting to be successful. So you've become a leader, you've gotten to this position, now you want it replicated among everybody. And so you think everybody needs to be clones of you. And that doesn't make for success. What makes for success is that a leader recognize the diversity of what he has or she has, and then utilizing the gifts and strengths of people that they work with. And creating it actually better than what who they are. So they're at or a certain level, now with the help of 50, 60 other folks, you can even take yourself to the next level. So I think when leaders understand when they're becoming fixers, they put themselves in a box. When they become navigators, they open themselves up to you know, so much, so many new ideas and so much innovation and so much creativity. And people don't realize that, but they think being the fixer will give them their power, but it's not really true. It's the navigator. Yeah. The navigator lets things, you know, releasing things and navigate. That's where the real power comes from. Oh, it's so true. I'm excited for this book to come out. I I think this is going to be a go-to for so many of us in this field, you know, both personally and then professionally. I can see as we're trying to transform the lives of others, understanding all these archetypes is going to help us, not only ourselves, but it's going to help us transform other leaders as well, which is really the ultimate goal. Right. This is a life book. This is a book that I even think that if you have, you know, folks that have kids that are graduating from school, if people can understand who they are being while they are leading and living, it's a game changer yeah. because, and I, I know I keep saying it's a game changer because I've seen I've seen the effects of this. I've seen the profoundness of this. But the thing is, is that we can start off very young of figuring out who we are. It'll take us through our lives. So even if you're in a senior position, it's not too late to start either. Because if you can concentrate, concentrate today on who you are instead of how, what, and when, again, it will bring a difference to how you relate to people. It will make a difference of how you communicate with people and how you show up. Yeah, if I would have had this when I was in my 20s, it, it, I just can imagine the differences that would have happened because it, this whole idea of the self-awareness and the and the wholeness piece that you're talking about, this really didn't happen to me until until my 40s, you know? And, be, and through all those kind of stumblings and those splat moments and everything else that could have been avoided if you would have had this knowledge. I I think, I I know why you're saying it's a game changer. 
Right. You know, one of the things that when we're younger, we're so busy running fast, right? right? Externally, everything is about going, going, going. We're distracted by so many things. But I really believe all these busyness and all these distractions and all this running is really about evading and avoiding ourselves because it that's where it starts. So if we can stop avoiding ourselves and we can start examining our lives, we could make it worth living. And yeah. that's really important. I think you know. I think when we're young, and even now, I think most of us we think that, that limiting beliefs, those negative self-talk, we think that's abnormal. And the reality yeah. is, I don't think it ever really goes away for anybody. I mean, over three hundred interviews, and I've talked with people who have achieved a great deal of significance, and they they still struggle with it today. I mean, people who have achieved great things, and you say, how does this person struggle with confidence and limiting beliefs and self-doubt? I don't think it ever fully goes away. But I think what can help is when you just embrace it. Right. And you realize this is right. part of the game. This is part of the price of admission to significance. Also, it's a game changer with what you're saying is let's say they feel self-doubt, which will come up a hundred times a day, right? Even it doesn't matter what level you're at. The thing is to choose in the moment what you're going to do about right. it. I could say, okay, I have self-doubt and I'm stuck and my feet are in cement. Or I can say, okay, I feel stuck. I feel self-doubt. But what is what are my confidence? What have I done well? Let me bring that into the moment and that will pivot. Yes. And regardless of what you're feeling, I think, you know, because I think we I think we try to feel ourselves into an action. And I'm a big yeah. believer that make the choice despite what you're feeling, because the truth is often masked by those feelings, I think, sometimes. You know, you say something very smart. One of the things I always say to my clients is, you know, confidence is believing you're able, right. but competence is is knowing you're able. Yeah. And this knowing really can change things for you. It can pivot things for you. So it's get into the what you're really good at. Bring that to the table when you don't have the confidence. Yeah. That's what I meant about betting on the strengths, right? Because yeah. it can change. Yeah. yeah. And Lolly, I love this stuff. This is I am so excited for this book to come out. When is the release date? When can we pre-order this now? I and mean, what's the deal? The great thing about right now, if you pre-order this book, there's an assessment that comes with just buying one pre-order of the book. And this assessment usually is $97 for every single person on your team, but it's free. So if you want to understand more about these archetypes and how um, it plays out in your life and at work, the assessment is imperative. It's educational. It's it's really, really important. So if you the thing is about it's available now for pre-order, and you can go to the leadershipgapbook.com. If you have a team, buy more than one book. Each person gets their own assessment, each person gets their own workbook. So it's really, really a great, great, great set of bonuses on the webpage of the leadershipgapbook.com. But after May 30th, I'm sure it'll be available for a long, long time. You can get it on Amazon. But right now, if you want to give yourself a gift, if you want to give your organization a gift, if you want to give your team a gift, go to and pre-order the book today. All right. I'll have links to all this. I'm excited to, like I said, I'm excited to get this in my hands and, and start using this. I think this is this is going to be great. I'm so happy uh, that you've produced this. Congratulations, by the way. I think this is going to be a game changer. Thank you, Richard. And I thank you for hosting me and talking to me. First of all, this is very important. And, and I'm so happy that you get it because if people understand who they are and they have a choice of what to be, it could really change lives. Well said. In addition to uh, the leadershipgapbook.com, is there any other way that you want people to get in touch with you? Absolutely. I 
I love to connect with people. So you can find me at my website, lollydaskell.com. You can find me on social media, through Twitter, through LinkedIn. Send me a little note. If you pre-order the book, let me hear about it. I just like to connect with people who want to make an impact on the world. And I know it's your listeners. Well, I'll have links to all this on the post. And certainly when I uh, push this out to all my social media, I'll make sure that they're finding a way to your sites and to the leadershipgapbook.com. Lolly, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a true uh, honor and privilege for me. Same for me. Thank you, Richard. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. Go to richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com and fill out the contact page and reach out to me. Let me know where you're at your leadership journey. Also, if you want access to my brand new online leadership course to help become a better leader, go to legacyleaderblueprint.com. Fill out your email and you gain access to a free 12-minute video that will reveal the top secrets of leadership and also show you how you can gain access, exclusive access, to my online leadership course. That's LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Hope to see you on the inside. Thanks for tuning into the show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.